0: Welcome to the Stonebridge Church Podcast. Watch us live every Sunday morning at 9.30 or 11.05 a.m. at gosblive.com. Or visit us in person. You can find directions at goStonebridge.com. Connect with us on our social media at facebook.com slash And our Instagram at sbchurch. Bear with us, folks. We'll be with you in just a second. <laughs> Thank you. Let's give a hand for my, uh, my team helping me out here today. Man, It's good to have a good... Uh, a good team. I'm realizing that more and more lately. Wow. And it was 34 degrees this morning. What is going on around here? This is crazy. Wow. So uh, I made it. And it's kind of funny, like, we have these little videos that are kind of the transition between worship team and the guy coming up to speak. And I think we have one of our shorter ones this time, too. I'm like, oh, man, i gotta, I got to make this happen really quick. This is going to be fun. But uh, thank you all for your patience. So we're going through, been going through a series called The Social Benefits of Following Jesus. And today, I want to look at, this is kind of a little um, self-serving maybe a bit, uh, because I needed some help with this topic, but we're looking at really a better way to cope with the challenges, with the struggles that come at us in our life, and that we're going to look to Jesus and what what he does to help us cope. And so I want to look at, as we kind of kick it off, the word cope, if you look it up in the dictionary. One of the definitions is this. It says to deal with and attempt to overcome problems and difficulties. So in our household, my daughter typically responds this way to the following scenarios. So it kind of goes like this. If she hears the phrase, I can't find the remote control, she says, cope. Um, If she hears, the dog is in my seat, cope. right? Or there's a spinning signal and I can't watch my YouTube video, cope, right? And so uh, that's that's a good word. You know, obviously there are uh, things that we need to learn to cope with that are just normal part of our life. We get inconvenienced and we need to just kind of cope with those things. But what I want to look at today, what about the real problems, the burdens, the hardships that we face that create stress, that can create anxiety and pain in our life? What do we do to cope with those types of things? You know, I want to say, too, that I'm a firm believer in things like nutrition, counseling, rest, exercise. Those are God-given things that can help us. Today, though, I want to really kind of focus more spiritually what we do to cope with the difficult things we go through. In your handout, there's a verse right at the top out of John 16:33, 33, and this is Jesus speaking. ...to his disciples. He says, I've told you these things. This is part of an ongoing discussion he'd been having. And there's a John 13 through 17. There's just this rich discourse that's going on. Kind of some of Jesus' final words to his disciples before the cross. But he says, I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble. But take heart. I have overcome the world in the word trouble if you look at that original word it means to crush to press to compress to squeeze symbolically it means grievous affliction or distress pressure or a burden upon the spirit and that's kind of the picture of what we go through there's things that happen in life where we feel we feel pressed from all sides we feel crushed at times we feel like we're carrying burdens that are just weighing us down. And so we know what that's like to walk through troubles like that. And then another word that really pops out to me is the word overcome in this this verse. Sometimes, first of all, we feel overcome or overwhelmed by problems, by struggles that we have. You know, and yet Jesus in this is looking at his disciples. He's looking at us. He's saying, look to me. Look to me when you feel overwhelmed. And these are the same guys I picture a little before that where same guys are out in a boat one day, and there was a storm out in the middle of the Sea of Galilee. And Jesus had been taking a nap, comes up, and he just says, all right, that's enough, quiet. And the storm stops, and there's peace. So this is the same guy that's saying, look, when you have storms in your life, look to me, and I will give you peace. Peace. Take heart. He has overcome the world. So today I'd like to first really look at a question that sometimes haunts us when we're going through difficulties or a difficult seasons. The question of why is this happening to me? Right. Maybe some of us have asked that before. Why is this going on? Why is this happening to me? And I want to go to the book of Job, which is not always our favorite book to go read, you know, for story time. You know, there was a few, I remember as a young Christian, there were some books that I was like, just didn't really get, you know, it was like, you know, come to Numbers. And I'm like, why do I want to read this? It's just names. Why am I reading names? Like, how, what am I getting out of this, right? Or, or then I came to Lamentations. I'm like, this is just depressing. Like, this is really depressing. Or Ecclesiastes, right? I'm like, this guy just keeps saying everything's meaningless. Like, I'm not feeling great right now. This is just making me down, right? And then there was Joe. I'm like... I, this is depressing. Maybe it says something about me. I'm kind of like a I like the feel good movies If I'm gonna watch a movie, I want the nice feel good the good guys win it has a nice ending You know some of these are just like kind of hard to take but I have to say as I've grown older I appreciate these books more. I appreciate the insight actually that's in the book of Job and so we're gonna not we're not gonna get into all the details of this book in case you haven't read in a while It's 42 chapters Y'all don't want to hear me go on for hours on this. So I'm going to give you a quick little recap of the book of Job. Basically, Job was very wealthy. He was one of the wealthiest guys around. And he was described as a righteous man. He followed God. He was a man of integrity. And God allowed a season of testing through trials in his life. And so the first test comes along. And a messenger comes and he's told that all of his wealth, which in those days was like livestock basically, animals, all of it was wiped out. All of his wealth gone. And then, right after he hears that, didn't even have a chance to really kind of process that, he learns that all of his children, all 10 of his kids gone. He receives that news and he basically falls down and just, there's a famous phrase in there where he says, The Lord gives. The Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Then comes the second test, where it comes against his own physical body, where he experiences this skin condition that was filled with pain and agony so much that throughout the book of Job, he's just asking, just just let me die, please. Just, can I die? He was in so much pain. Couldn't sleep. And then his friends arrive. Now, they get kind of a bad rap, but when his friends first get there... It says they were so moved by the pain that Job was in that they wept for him, which is a good thing. We should, we should enter into the pain of others. And then it said that he, they sat with him for seven days and said nothing. Another great thing, be with people. Then they opened up their mouths. That's usually when we're like, and then they try to explain everything, right? So I want to, as we look at the why a little bit of why are we going through some difficult times, I want to look at sort of Job's friends, kind of what they came, conclusion they came to, the conclusion Job first comes to, but then ultimately I think what God wants us to know. And so the first one, and and we do have some fill-in-the-blanks. We haven't done that in a while, so I'm excited to bring back the the fill-in-the-blanks today for everybody that likes to do that. I had someone the first service that I think I went too fast, and I do hate that. If I miss a blank, it drives me crazy. So hopefully you guys can have a chance to get this. The first one is this. We're to summarize... Real simply, Job's friends, as they try to make sense of Job's suffering, it's this. Your pain is punishment. Your pain is punishment. And so they figured Job had sinned somewhere. One of his kids had sinned. One of his ancestors had sinned. Somebody is royally messed up and God's punishing you for your sin, Job. There's just, that has to be what's going on. That's what they were convinced of. You know, we can get stuck in this place, too. And I just want to tell, I want to remind us that if you are a child of God, Jesus Christ took the punishment for your sin on the cross. Your sins, every one of them, he took the punishment for your sins. So you need to let go of that thought if you're wrestling with that right now. Now. There are natural consequences. If you drove 80 miles an hour in a 30-mile-an-hour zone and you got pulled over, you deserve that. I mean, you know, you were not being wise, right? You got a ticket. You got to pay for the ticket, right? I'm not talking about that. But I'm talking about how sometimes we feel like these things are happening because God is punishing me. Be released from that. Now, there are times when God disciplines us as a loving father, and we'll talk a little more about that in a minute, But what you're going through right now or have gone through is not God punishing you. Another phrase that I struggle with, just to be candid, is sometimes when I'm going through a struggle, maybe it's a parenting struggle or whatever, this phrase of, if only I had, and I just dwell on, man, if only I had read more James Dobson books, man, you know, like I wouldn't be in this predicament. If only I had, you know, done better boundaries from the beginning. If only I had not let them hang out, you know, on and on and on and on. We beat ourselves up. But I believe that the devil has us focus on that to get us to feel defeated. Don't do that. So that's the first explanation that's offered. Here's a second one. It's Job's attempt to explain it. Here's the second fill in the blank. Here we go. Exciting. Job, if we summarize it, is this, my pain is pointless. Job was so miserable that he began to feel like an enemy of God. And sometimes we can go through times like this. We feel like we're praying over and over and over again. And it just feels like those prayers are just going up and nothing's happening. And day after day, week after week, and nothing seems to change. And we get frustrated. We get disillusioned. We begin to think of this next phrase in parentheses there, is God still good? And I just want to also... Emphatically tell all of us and remind myself, God is always good. That never changes. I love the song Waymaker. I love the bridge particularly, where it says, Even though I can't see it, you're working, God. Even though I can't feel it, you're working. You never stop. You never stop working. So that's not what's going on here either. It's not pointless. And then we get to this third blank about what does God say about this? I think in the third fill in the blank, God would say this. Your pain is purposeful. Your pain is purposeful. And in parentheses, you know, I may not understand, but God is still good. I have Romans 8.28 in here, which is a very popular verse because it comforts us when we go through difficult times. Let me read it again says, and we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him who have been called according to his purpose. And in this context, let me just say, maybe you're in the predicament you're in now. Maybe it's a combination. And I believe me, I, I've been in these situations where maybe you have done some dumb stuff. I've done plenty of dumb stuff. Maybe, though, there's also some things out of your control right now, and you're struggling. We have a God that it says in here, Romans 8, 20, when you love the Lord... And when you're submitting your will to his, you're saying, God, I take the reins, God. Then we have a God who takes whatever mess we've created and that's come upon us and he works it together for good. So we have that promise from God, those who love him, those who are called according to his purpose. So I want to look at how does this book of Job kind of end and and this, this kind of conclusion that Job comes to. And it's in your handout there, Job 42 starting up in verse 2. This is Job talking to God. He says, I know, God, that you can do anything, and no one can stop you. You asked, God, who is this that questions my wisdom with such ignorance? It is I. I was talking about things I knew nothing about, things far too wonderful for me. You said, listen, and I will speak. I have some questions for you. And you must answer them. And I love verse 5. I had only heard about you, God, before. But now I have seen you with my eyes. I take back everything I said. I sit in dust and ashes to show my repentance. As Job, Job kind of goes through this in his final chapter. Basically, Job realizes, man, God, you have a wisdom it is so far beyond mine. You see things I can't even see. You know things I will never know. And this, this humbling that Job goes to this comes to this humble place. And then in verse 5, I love that. He said, Look, before I went through this, I had heard about you. I had some knowledge about you, God, but now I know you firsthand. That is one of the blessings that come. That as bad as the suffering was that Job went through, the treasure that he came out with was knowing God. We did a recently uh, study for midweek with our small groups on Wednesday nights and we just finished it up and the teacher of that was a guy named Matt Chandler and he had this quote which is in your handout too. He said, the point of the whole Bible is three words, God with us. I was like, you know, that, that's pretty profound because you, know, you look at in the beginning, the Garden of Eden, it was about God with Adam and Eve. And then, you know, sin entered the world, but you see this reestablished God pursuing us. And you have the tabernacle, which was God's dwelling. And then you had the temple, which was where God would dwell. And then you had Jesus coming, which we'll celebrate soon in the Christmas season. Emmanuel, God with us. The Holy Spirit comes and acts, and where it's God's presence in us. God in us. And then eventually, in the end, the new heaven and the new earth, God with us. So if God takes us through things, but it results in us knowing him and experience his presence. That's a powerful treasure. So if God allows trials sometimes into our life and they're for his purposes, that's great. But how do we cope with those while we're walking through them? That's what I want to look at next. And we're going to look at the story of the grapevine in John 15 to do that. So if you want to turn your Bible to John 15 or it'll be up on the screen In your handout, we'll take a look at that together. So, I'll start reading the first uh, verse, verse 1, John 15. This is Jesus, and he's speaking to his disciples. He says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. Does anybody in here uh, own a vineyard or or raise or grow grapes? No vineyard grow? Nobody in the first service? Man, I was like hoping maybe one person. Well, today we're going to watch a quick little, about a two-minute video that's going to teach you guys how to go start your own vineyard, all right? So let's check this out real quick. We're going to watch how to prune a grapevine. Here we go.
1: Now you've got, what, three varieties, Chardonnay? Pinot and Cabernet. All French varieties? All what French varieties. Why no Italian? Because of the, the, the climate in Tasmania, uh, many of the, the types, they don't ripen. And I'm pruning them, they all prune the same varieties, all exactly yes, the same, yes, even the they, table grapes? All the same system, the same way. Well, let's show us how to do it then. Yeah. That's uh, what uh, we're trying to achieve. We leave two branches, roughly ten buds each side, and uh, more like a shape. OK? So, Dad, what about this one here? Well, this one here, we'll uh, I'll choose to leave these two and cut the rest. Why those two? Well, because they are uh, healthy, right in the centre, close to the trunk. I'll leave the third one till the end. You bend them down and roughly you can want one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten buds. And uh, you have to make sure that you leave about six to eight inches. About between 15 to 20 centimetres. Between each plant, yes. Then you cut the spare one. The reason why I left this, just in case one of them break, you got the other ah, one. Ah, it's your safety. Now, I don't need that. Oh, okay. Perfect. Excellent. Next one. So, Dad, what else is important when pruning your grapes? You should talk <laughs> to the grapes. <laughs> and what do you say to the grapes? Oh, you, sometimes you sing a song if you... <laughs> If you need to. If you need to, yes. Well, I love that.
0: So, you know, if you don't learn anything else today, you now could go out and start your own vineyard. And, you know, who knows what might come from that. I have to say, one of my favorite parts, though, is where he says, you have to talk to the grapes. You have to sing to them, even if you need to do that, right? And so, I want to show that because I love that, that visual. I'm kind of a visual learner. But you see that picture of cutting, so pruning is painful. There's cutting involved. There's loss involved. There is, you could see him bending those branches down, which is uncomfortable and having to tie them down, right? And so when Jesus gives us this picture of pruning, we're talking about this pain that God, who is the caring father, allows us to go through sometimes. Let's continue to read the rest of this kind of this passage. Verse 3, Jesus continues. He says, "You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I'm the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this love each other as I have loved you. There's a word, maybe you caught it, that's repeated. I counted 11 times in this passage. It's the word remain. Sometimes it's translated abide. In other translations. But I like I the idea of remain for today's discussion. Because our tendency is to walk away from Jesus to other comforts rather than remain in him. Remain in him. We tend to get tempted to go to things that give us temporary relief, help us cope maybe in negative ways, help us escape. But the problem with other things like that is the problems, the anxiety, the worries, the stress comes right back to us when we walk away from that thing or it wears off. Not the case with Jesus. And so I want to give you five different reasons why I would say that remaining in Jesus, coming to him is a better way to cope as we walk through difficulties. So, This is on the back side of your handout if you want to follow along. So number one reason why remaining in Jesus is better is because Jesus gives us peace or an untroubled heart and mind. John 14, 27, the chapter right before where we are right now, Jesus would say this to the disciples. He says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled, and do not be afraid. That word that's translated peace literally means a state of untroubled, undisturbed well-being. I I want that. Like, sign me up for that. Jesus is offering that to us. And it's different than the way the world operates. He says, I give you a peace that the world cannot give you. In the world... All you can get, like I said before, is just kind of a temporary fix, a distraction, a band-aid. You treat the symptom, but it doesn't really answer what's going on deeper in your soul. Jesus gives you this sense of peace and undisturbed, untroubled well-being. It also says, let not your heart be troubled, which is another command that's in here in John 14, which says that where, where are we putting our focus, I think, is what that's speaking to. Let not your heart be troubled. What I think that's saying is, where is your mind focused right now? There have been seasons when I've gone through difficulties where I focus on the problems. I rehearse them over in my mind. I have done really dumb things where I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to write out all of my problems and worries. No, that's, that is the dumbest idea ever. Just giving them even more power. This is saying, don't don't let your mind go that direction. Think about me. Focus on me. You know, one thing I've been doing that's so simple, even lately, when I lie down to go to bed, as we're walking through a series of things right now, I literally just say the word Jesus over and over in my mind. Not necessarily out loud. I don't want to, like, freak my wife out. She's like, what is going on? But in my mind, I'm just kind of saying that over and over just to focus my thoughts on him. And it's amazing, again, how his peace comes and helps me sleep. He gives that to us if we'll remain in him. Number two, second reason why remaining in Jesus through difficulties is a better way to cope. When we remain in him, trials become opportunities to experience the profound truth that Jesus loves me. Again, in verse nine, Jesus says, as the father has loved me. So have I loved you. Now remain in my love. I think these times of pruning drive us to a place of falling into God's arms where we can be held. The other morning, as I was getting used to this new condition I'm in of mainly using one leg, I realized the morning routine was a little longer and a little more exhausting than normal. One of my... Jobs is because my wife works and she has to leave before I do. Is to take our youngest son to school, and I'm like, Okay, got to do that next. And I think, Oh, yeah, his bedroom's upstairs, great, awesome, yeah. So I'm like, All right, so I just kind of start bear crawling up the stairs because I obviously can't take my little knee scooter, and I'm thinking crutches up the stairs, not a great idea. And then I kind of keep bear crawling since I'm already doing that all the way in his room and figure out a way to do it, get him to school. I'm exhausted by the time all that's over with. And I get back from the, dropping him off, and I'm just hobbling along, and I see we have this hammock chair in our front yard hanging from a tree. And I'm just like, it's just like pulling me towards this direction. I just started hobbling towards the hammock chair, and I just collapse into this thing. All of my weight is I just, I let it all go. And it's like this sweet embrace, and I'm like, I think I'm never going to leave. I'm just going to sit here for the rest of my life. Which, of course, God's like, no, you got to get up and do stuff. But man, for a while, I felt like God was just saying, let me hold you for a while. Sometimes when we're walking through difficulties, we have a Heavenly Father who just wants us to know His love. There's a song by Casting Crowns called Held, which some of the lyrics are, quit trying to hold on, quit trying to do all this stuff. Sometimes you just need to collapse into the arms of your Heavenly Father and let Him hold you. I ran across this quote from Max Lucado and he shares this. He says, "My child's feelings are hurt? I tell her she's special. My child is injured? I do whatever it takes to make her feel better. My child is afraid? I won't go to sleep until she is secure. I'm not a hero, I'm a parent." When a child hurts, a parent does what comes naturally. He helps. Why don't I let my father do for me what I'm more than willing to do for my own children? I'm learning. Being a father is teaching me that when I'm criticized, injured, or afraid, there's a father who is ready to comfort me. There's a father who will hold me until I'm better, help me until I can live with the hurt, and who won't go to sleep when I'm afraid of waking up and seeing the dark, ever." So just remember that if you're walking through it, this is a time I think that God wants to show you his love in a more profound way. Number three, third reason as we remain in Jesus. Third reason is remaining in Jesus through difficulties we have access to and are surprised by his joy. Verse 11, Jesus said, I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete or full. Psalm 1611, which is in there too says, you will make known to me the path of life. In your presence, God, is fullness of joy. In your right hand, there are pleasures forever. That's become an anchor thought for me. When I'm struggling, I just think about, God, I want to be with you. Because in your presence, more than anything else I could do, is fullness of joy. Again, we just, like I said, we finished the uh, Psalm 23 study for midweek. Matt Chandler was teaching it. This past Wednesday, we looked at the very last verse of Psalm 23, which which I love. It says in verse 6, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. In other words, it says they will follow me, they will pursue me. God's goodness and God's mercy. Now, I have two dogs in my house named Puddles and Harley, I think we might have a picture here to show you guys real quick. Oh huh? yeah, there they are. So uh, there's Harley is the brown one that's uh, oddly uh, licking our other dog like that, and then we've got uh, puddles. They're being really nice and affectionate there. They, they usually fight, though, and that's puddles on the right. And so these two dogs, every day that I come in my front door. They are right there. They just stick their two furry heads right through the, just the crack. As soon as I open the door, they're just right there. I'm walking down the hall. <laughs> they're just like either side of me. Everywhere I go, they will not leave me alone. They just continue to follow me. I try to eventually go sit on the couch. Boom. There's, usually it's Harley is right there next to me. And Puddles, who thinks she's a cat, she crawls up and like is balancing on the top of the couch. Um, it's kind of like a headrest. It's kind of weird, but you get used to it after a while, eh? kind of works it's pretty comfortable um, but i have uh, so i have this picture now in my mind i've kind of renamed them goodness and mercy right it's, it's my new picture to remind me that no matter how much troubles i go through i have a god who is pursuing me even more with his joy his goodness and his mercy that won't let me alone and i'm seeing that you guys it's like you know a morning comes and I look at my Bible app and there's a verse of the day that is exactly what I needed to hear. I'm driving in my car, I turn on the radio, there's a worship song that just speaks exactly. It's like God wrote that for my situation in that moment. I get a text from a friend. You just see all these, if I'm tuning in, God has just shown me I am pursuing you with goodness and mercy. I'm surprising you with joy and his presence is fullness of joy. And then number four, with Jesus, trials are opportunities to draw us together rather than tear us apart. In 15 verse 12, Jesus says, my command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Sadly, a lot of times when people go through trials, it can tear them apart. It can tear families apart. But other people go through them and it actually unifies them through those difficulties You see, John 15, where we're looking at with this this about the grapes and this idea of remaining in Jesus, is kind of right in the middle of this section that starts in John 13 all the way to John 17. And John 13 is when Jesus washes the disciples' feet, gives them the same command. After he washes their feet, he says, love one another just as I have loved you. I've done this. I've set for you an example. Go love one another as I have loved you. You see that repeated again here in John 15 as he's talking about pruning and the difficulties we go through. In John 17 when he prays, really the main thrust of his prayer is that they would become one. That his disciples and everyone who believes through their message would become one, which is another picture of love. So you see that God has this deep purpose in our trials to actually help heal our relationships. To teach us to be loved and to love you know again having this condition as you could see very visibly as i came up today it takes a team to do anything for me right now to eat uh to you know ice my foot to do basic things i very it's very humbling but i need lots of help right now am very high maintenance right now right just takes a lot of people helping me out and it's it's taught me a lot and you know in fact when I was I teach at a private school on Fridays in my last class is all seventh grade girls and so Mr. Dunn comes hobbling in there they're like what happened and they all are trying to help being really sweet until I had this one girl and she's like you know and Mr. Dunn here's what I'll do I'll stand up here with you and if anybody in the class speaks out of turn I'll throw markers at them I was like what (laughs) like okay I was like I appreciate all y'all's help. I don't think I can do that. You know, maybe when you're a teacher one day, you can try that, see how that goes. But I don't think I can do that. Uh, But the point is, it's been humbling. But what God is teaching me is to more deeply appreciate my family, my church family, my friends who are showing God's love to me in this season that I'm in. I can see how it's deepening my appreciation, it's creating more unity if I will let it, if I will remain in Jesus through this time. And then the last thing, number five, Jesus makes our life count for something much bigger and greater than ourselves. If we will remain in him, he's gonna make our life count for something so much greater and so much bigger than ourselves. John 15 5 he says I'm the vine you are the branches if you remain in me and I in you you will bear much fruit apart from me you can do nothing. So I think the fruit and the idea and as you saw in the video the whole reason that they cut and they bend those branches and there's they're taking away things is to produce fruit. So, what is this fruit? I think that the fruit that God's talking about is the real and the lasting work that God will do through us to impact the lives of others around us. You know, I was thinking, if, if God never allowed struggles and challenges in my life, I know I would be a very selfish person. I would live for me, I would live a very small, comfortable life. But as God has brought different tests, different challenges into my own life, and you probably have been through the same, through those challenges, He helps me get outside of myself, to trust Him through those things, to prepare me for something greater than just living for me. And you see this pattern in Scripture. You look in Simon Peter's life in Luke 22, verse 31. Jesus looks to Peter who he knew would go on to deny him 3 times and would be in so much anguish over this but Jesus says Simon Simon Satan has asked to sift all of you as wheat but I have prayed for you Simon that your faith may not fail and when you have turned back strengthen your brothers I love that you know Jesus is saying look you're going to go through a testing Simon you're going to go through a testing Peter it's going to be hard But I'm praying for you, and that when you come through it, you're going to be more prepared to then go strengthen others, to be the leader that God has made you to be. And you see Peter doing that in the book of Acts. Even at the end of Job, it's interesting, as Job goes through all he goes through and knows God at a much deeper level, God says to Job, Job, you need to go go pray for your friends, And even to the friends, like, you better hope Job, my servant, comes and prays for you. That God had a work for Job to do to bless others. And then even in 2 Corinthians 1.4, it says, he comforts us. God comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort others. It's not just about me, but God is preparing me for a greater, more eternal work, more fruit through this pruning process. That I can be a blessing to other people. So when we remain in Jesus, our lives will become truly significant. We become people who begin to make an eternal difference in the lives of others. So if we put kind of these two concepts together today, I think I just want us to know that that we have a good God and he will allow us to go through struggles and difficult times. But he has a purpose in those. And as we are walking through it, He is that loving, caring Heavenly Father all along the way. He's the one that brings us joy, pursues us, loves us. Again, think about the video. I love how he said, what's important is you got to talk to the grapes. you got to sing to the grapes. We have a God who cares for us. He doesn't enjoy seeing us in pain, but he loves us and cares for us as he's doing a mighty work in us along the journey. I want to end with a quote from a book called The Jesus Calling that Sarah Young wrote. And this is a quote where we need to imagine, it's, it's written to imagine this is God speaking this to you and me. So listen to what she writes. Walk peacefully with me through this day. You are wondering how will you cope with all that is expected of you. You must traverse this day like any other day, one step at a time. Instead of mentally rehearsing how you will do this or that, keep your mind on my presence and on taking the next step. The more demanding your day, the more help you can expect from me. This is a training opportunity since I designed you for deep dependence on your shepherd King. Challenging times wake you up and amplify your awareness of needing my help. When you don't know what to do, wait while I open the way before you. Trust that I know what I'm doing and be ready to follow my lead. I will give strength to you and I will bless you with peace. Let's pray together. Father God, we... Thank you so much God for that reminder Lord. We thank you that you are a good God and that Lord as you go as you allow trials in our life they are not about punishment. They are not about pointlessness. But God there's a purpose, a deep purpose, a loving purpose in all of these things. God, thank you that you are And that you're not callous when we're going through pain. That you care for us so deeply. That God, for us that are parents in this room, we know how much we care for our kids. And God, you are a good father that cares for us infinitely more than we can even imagine. That you weep with us. That Lord, you pursue us every moment, around every turn with your goodness and your mercy. God, you're not allowing us to live shallow, me-centered lives, but you have such a much greater purpose that you'd use us to be a blessing to others. So God, we thank you, God, that you're working all those things in us as we trust in you. You're working things together for good. Lord, I pray that if there's someone in here that's never put their trust in you, that's never entered into that relationship with you as their Heavenly Father, let, let today be the day All you have to do is just come to the end of yourself and admit that you're a sinner and and that, yes, you don't have the ability to be good enough on your own efforts to ever be made right with God and that you believe that Jesus died for your sins and that you put your trust in him to save you, to rescue you and that you can ask him just to make you into the person he's created you to be just pray that simple prayer of faith. God changes you. He adopts you as his child, and you have access to this incredible relationship that we've been made for. So Lord, again, we thank you for today. I pray for your comfort for those who are walking through difficult times. They would know in a very real way today your presence. We ask that in Jesus' name.